Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 315. Over the next few podcasts, I'm going to try to set the stage for the book of 1 Corinthians. And the reason I'm doing that during this particular week is because in the last two to three months, I have talked with a lot of pastors who have referenced Paul's starting the church at Corinth and the particular situations that caused him to write 1 Corinthians. Let me just say to you that Corinth is a beautiful, magnificent place. I would love to be able to take you there and to spend some time there with you and to teach the great truths of the Corinthian church. There is a lot of value for us today, especially in the United States, to study the book of 1 Corinthians because our culture is more and more turning back to a Corinthian culture. Now, what do I mean by that? It was a place where people came from all over the known Greco-Roman world. This was a city that was strategically placed by God, I believe in his providence, to reach people that could otherwise not be reached, except that the Apostle Paul planted a church there. I was pastor in a city much like Corinth, a harbor city, a beautiful city, one that had a great climate that drew people from all over the world, and that's San Diego, California. You see, from L.A. south to Tijuana, Mexico, is the largest gathering of cultures from around the world. It's the greatest melting pot in the world. But the fact is, they don't melt. There are segments of the city where people don't even speak English. And it's not just that they speak Spanish. You might guess that at the door of the greatest border crossing in the world the most populous and the uh, most traversed border crossing in the world, or it was when I was there. But people from every walk of life are there. And because of the climate and because of the beauty and because of a number of things, it is a real draw to people. Well, such was Corinth. And when you get people from all over the earth into a situation like that, then you get all of the baggage and problems that come with that. And so it was with Corinth. Corinth strategically was placed on an isthmus. Now, an isthmus is the same thing we have down in Central America at Panama and the Panama Canal. But unlike the Great Panama Canal, the isthmus at Corinth divides two seas, not two oceans. One, the Aegean Sea, which is the easternmost finger of the Mediterranean. It goes all the way up to the Dardanelles, up to the Bosphorus, and that Bosphorus empties out the Black Sea, and it runs by Istanbul and actually separates two continents, the European continent to the west and the uh, Asian continent uh, to the east. And it always has been a strategic location. That is, this Aegean Sea and the, its origins, the Bosphorus and the waters of the Mediterranean. 
That is why Constantine uh, located his kingdom there at Old Byzantium, and it became known instead of Byzantium as Constantinople. Today, it's Istanbul. It really was a strategic location between the west and the east. But as you come down that Greek shoreline, you come to Kinkria. We call it Sincria most of the time from our pulpits. That is the most narrow place of that isthmus. So from the days of the Roman Empire, it has been used as a crossing point from the Aegean Sea to the east to the Adriatic Sea or the Ionian Sea to the west. Now, this Adriatic Sea, as it was in the New Testament called, separates the area that we call Greece today and what is Italy then and now. And so it was a very popular point. Now, what happened was as people came from all of that area around the Black Sea and all of that area north of Turkey and Turkey and from the east and from the Orient, that means east, and the rising of the sun, they would come many times from a landmass standpoint. They would board ship at what is Istanbul today or Ephesus or Miletus or uh, Smyrna, one of those ports, and they would cross over the Aegean Sea over to Kinkria. Now, you remember, this is where Paul was. This was his old area here. And instead of going all the way around by boat, sailing around the Peloponnesia, which is where Sparta is, it's that almost island because it's separated now. The canal actually separates it and makes it an island today and has for some time. Instead of sailing around, which took a couple of weeks, and just like at uh, the Cape off of uh, South Africa, you have these waters coming together, rushing together, and it's a very dangerous place, and many lost their lives trying to go to Rome and coming from Rome if they sailed around that Peloponnesian. Now, you might want to get you a map so you can see what I'm talking about. Corinth was strategically located at one end of that canal on the western end on the Ionian or Adriatic Sea. And so what would happen is people would come in at Sincrea, Kincrea, and they would unladen their ship, and they had almost like an ancient railway that would come across that four-mile stretch. That's all it was, was about four miles. And they would unladen the ship, and then they would actually, with ropes and, and with a carriage system, they would take those ancient ships, that four miles, which took a, a couple of days at most to walk that across and pull it across. Then they would put it back in the water on the Ionian side or vice versa, and they would stay there while the ship was being loaded again, and they'd take off again to Rome. Now, this is is an amazing ancient feat of ingenuity and of engineering. But what happened was this created work in that canal area, in that isthmus area, there was a lot of skilled labor and a lot of not-so-skilled labor. So the job market in the economy was booming all the time. It didn't matter what the rest of the economy was doing in the Roman Empire. This area was almost bulletproof. And so this is what they did. And that canal that's there now, and it's not a large canal. And you can see I have stood at Kincrea on the Aegean side and looked all the way through to the Adriatic 
see. It's only four miles, and on a clear day, it's nothing to see that. It's carved out of solid rock. I mean, that is a rocky peninsula there. You can see, and, and the canal is only 70 feet wide, so it really narrows when you're looking four miles. It just looks like a pinhead at the other end. But it's absolutely breathtaking. It's spectacular, only 70 feet wide, so you don't have large ships going through there. They have to go ahead and sail around, but those that today can get through there, they do. It's not that deep, and so, you know, you don't have the depth uh, either, but there are no locks, so you just sail right through that canal. Most of the time, you, of course, you're pulled through, so it is, it's a fascinating place. But what I want you to see the picture of, this is a place that had a lot of wealth, a lot of uh, a booming economy, and when you have people there from all over the earth, they bring with them their religions, they bring with them their own worldviews, their own concepts, and so there were people there that made a lot of money. They were very gifted. They were businessmen. They were people of means. They were people of talent and ability and skills. And they all came together there. And Corinth has a huge Acropolis. I mean, it looks as tall as the one in Athens. It's huge. And that's where all the idol worship took place. Not all of it. Much of it was down below. The theater there, for instance, because you have people from all over the earth, they have to be entertained because they, they do have expendable income. And so they wanted the arts of the Greeks and the Romans. They wanted uh, all of the things that happened in the theaters and the arenas. So the theater there in Corinth is believed to have held something like 20,000 people. The Bema, the judgment seat, is there. You can still see that today. I mean, it's it's literally still there, physically still there. As you know, that was a place that's mentioned in the book of Acts at Corinth. There's a lot of ruins there. You can spend a week and not see it all. I mean, you might see it all visually, but you cannot explore it. The main streets are still there and all kinds of things around it. And uh, when you walk around that and you, you see this magnificent structure, I, the Temple of Apollo is still there with its huge columns. I mean, that's all that's remaining are the columns, but they're huge. They, they rival anything that's in Athens from the standpoint of magnificence. And all I'm telling you is you need to get the picture of this first class cosmopolitan place and every kind of filth and idol worship and every kind of ungodliness that you can imagine and secularism was there. There was an amazing development that came out of of all these people coming to this isthmus. As you know, the Greeks had the Olympic Games. They were held every four years, and people came from all over, of course, the world to uh, participate in those, and Paul mentions that, that athletic contest, but he's not talking primarily about the Olympian Games because even though those were not far away, in between those four years, every four years intervening, uh, that is uh, two years after the Olympics were held, another set of games were held, and those were the Ismanian Games, yes, named after that isthmus at Corinth. And so the people at Corinth were very athletic. They were very well aware of their body. Here again, this is very much like San Diego, California, one of the healthiest cities in America, because the weather's good. People can train outside. And and of course, the Greek word gymnos means naked. They trained naked. They thought nothing about that. There were bathhouses there, uh, what we call Roman bathhouses, but there was a lot of lewdness and body showing and body worship. All of this stuff was going on. This was the 
mix that the Apostle Paul went in and the gospel of Jesus Christ changed those people. Even in the religious world, you remember my ancestor Crispus was saved. That's the first time the word Crispus is ever used. In all the ancestries that you trace, it will trace back to that ultimately because that's the first mention anytime in literature that is well known of the name. And it was a Jewish rabbi who was a head of the synagogue there. Any Jewish blood, I'm sure, in me has been watered down one million times since then. I am a full-on Gentile. But what I'm saying to you is that they had a huge Jewish population there. The ruler of the synagogue was converted and became a follower of Jesus the Messiah. And so there was a lot of work went on. Paul stayed at Corinth longer than any other place except Ephesus. And it's amazing how quickly that went down. Now, this is for another podcast specifically, because I believe there's reasons why that the apostle Paul had the beginning that he did and the great success there and why he stayed there as long as he did but also why after he left, things fell apart. Just from a leadership standpoint, that did not happen at Ephesus where he stayed three years, twice as long. He stayed three years and he trained leadership there and he turned it over. There was a great succession plan and there were people that could step in, not the Apostle Paul, but they didn't need the Apostle Paul. They need someone with different gift mix. Paul was like a Navy SEAL. He went in and cleared the beaches, but he could only stay around about 18 months uh, or three years at the longest, and then they'd run him off or kill him. This is what happened. And then God would raise up someone else who was more of an occupational force person that would come in and would, after the organizational things had been done, would carry on and take the church to new heights. That's what happened at Ephesus with Timothy, then with Apollo, Apollos, and then with John himself, the aged apostle John. And then tradition says Onesimus, the runaway slave of Philemon, from Colossae is the one that took over after the Apostle John was exiled and things settled down. But all to say, these things are interesting, and and I want to bring this to your attention simply because we are becoming ever secular, ever more secular in America. And because of that, we have got to get our act together and understand some of the great successes and some of the great failures that happened at Corinth and these other major cities, Athens and so forth, and I'll tie those two together because it's a fascinating connection. So I hope you'll stay tuned. I pray that God will help us and enlighten us and encourage our hearts that the darker the night, the brighter the light, and a great work can be done in this ever-secularizing America that we live in. Yes, these are days where we're going back to the times that were almost identical to the Greco-Roman world into which Jesus came, but we saw what happened there. They turned the world upside down with the good news message of Jesus, the Messiah, and so can we. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org, then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.